1: The latest episode of KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs podcast and video from us here at KCSN. It's the headlines, rumors, stories, and stats people are talking about to get you through the day and caught up with all things Chiefs. Different guests each week with different perspectives. The latest episode of KCSN Update, proudly presented by DraftKings, begins now.
2: What's up, everybody? This is KCSN Update, our daily Chiefs show and podcast here at KC Sports Network. Thanks for hanging out. I'm BJ Kissel. It is Friday, and you know what that means? We will be joined by the prince of NFL analytics content, Trevor Sykema, from Pro Football Focus here in just a little bit. But you know the deal. Before we bring on Trevor to get his stats and, and next-level information about the Chiefs-Eagles game, that we cannot wait until it's here this has been the longest couple of weeks it seems like uh of the year every year the chiefs are in the super bowl which has been three times in the last four years so pretty special but before we bring on trevor a quick word from my friends at draftkings are you ready for the biggest sunday in sports draftkings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of super bowl 57 has all the super bowl action you need new customers can bet just five dollars and get 200 in bonus bets instantly Plus, all new customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hours Super Boost. Check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 5 and 8 p.m. Central Standard Time to see what prop bet will be boosted. Chiefs are currently 1.5-point dogs to the Eagles on Sunday with an over-under of 51 points, but there are a lot of fun prop bets that you can get in on the action with. If you check out the episode from Monday, the Casey Laboratory guys, they did a special episode just on the Super Bowl prop bets. Uh, a lot of good ones in there. You can check Tucker Franklin's social media because he is all over them. Uh, but make sure you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code KCSN as new customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Alright, let's welcome on Mr. Trevor Sykema from Pro Football Focus. Trevor, last night Patrick Mahomes won his second NFL MVP award. Not that anybody was surprised at this point. But I know when we talk every week, you bring us these next level stats, all this cool information. Uh, what stands out to you most about Patrick Mahomes 2022 regular season? It was such a Complete season from Mahomes, and
3: I, I think that you know you can look at different categories, even within PFF's metrics, whether it's passing grade or big time throws or adjusted completion percentage, like a lot of different things that we have. A play under pressure, even you know, there's so many different categories, and although Mahomes isn't number one in all of them, it's seen, it seems it just feels like he is top three in all of them like you can look at somebody like okay Josh Allen's gonna have more big-time throws that's fine Mahomes ain't that far behind him you know and uh one of the quarterbacks is gonna have like the better uh the lower turnover worthy play percentage Mahomes isn't number one in that category but I think he's top five adjusted completion percentage I feel like he's top five wide receiver or um quarterback rating passing grade like all this a play under pressure I know he's third for sure uh red zone touchdowns which is a big key point going into this game that I wanted to emphasize just how good he is in the red zone. But like all of these different categories, Mahomes may not be the sweeping far and away number 1 in all of these groups, but he is consistently the best quarterback because he does all of these things at an elite level. We often talk about how the elites in the NFL numerical rankings are they don't do it justice, right? Sometimes there's just three or four players that are really good that could be number 1 in in, in a lot of different lists. As long as you're in that tier 1, you know, you could be somebody that your team can depend on. Somebody could be a catalyst for wins. Obviously, a, a, an award like MVP, and Mahomes is just in that tier one category for all of it. All no matter where the ball is, no matter where he's throwing, no matter what wide receiver it's to, no matter what point of the game is on the line, whether it's pressure, whether it's in the red zone, what whatever he's asked to do on the play, throw it long, medium, short, he's tier one. And I, I, I just I, I, uh, I smile at the fact that he was able to get his second MVP have a good feeling that it's not going to be his last, but a really good nod for an unbelievable year for him.
2: Do any of the numbers of what he's done throughout the season, I know you're so good at at contextualizing the matchups via stats with the information that you have. You and I have talked about uh, Mahomes' grades and some of the things that at least locally amongst Chiefs fans come out regarding PFF, and you and I have had a lot of discussion not to get into that. But going into this matchup on Sunday against the Eagles, are there any numbers from Mahomes throughout the season that you think are especially important for Chiefs fans to be aware of whether it's from the Eagles defensive side and what Mahomes mm-hmm. is really good at or vice versa what what statistical numbers kind of lead you to watching certain matchups uh, well, I, ahead of this game
3: yeah I think the obvious one is to play under pressure he's got the third highest PFF passing grade when he's a bit under pressure this year and a lot of what everybody's going to talk about Eagles defense is great all around right it's one of the best defenses in the NFL that's why they're here in this final game but You know, people talk about the Eagles defense, the first thing that they'll bring up is the team pass rush. How good Hassan Redick has been, how good Javon Hargrave has been, Brandon Graham's coming alive, right? The rotation of veteran defensive linemen that they have in the middle. So you know that they're going to throw all those things at the pocket, but Mahomes is just simply one of the best in the NFL at at dealing with pressure. And so I think that's where it starts. But another uh, just piece of information that um, I was able to find is the red zone touchdowns. 39 red zone touchdowns this year. It's most in the NFL. I, that's that's the most red zone touchdowns the of any quarterback. And that's just so paramount because in a game where you have two of the best teams in the NFL coming away with seven points instead of three when you get down within the 20, that's so important. Not to you know quote a coach cliche, but that's what everybody likes to get. And when you were a quarterback who consistently does that, that's why you get double-digit wins year after year after year after year because the margin for error in the NFL is so low. When you can make sure that you're getting four points more than you're getting three, uh, when you get into striking distance, it's just it's paramount. So in both of those situations, I think that everybody would say the importance of quarterback play, those two are involved. How you play under pressure, how you take care of the ball, how you're able to still move it make the big-time plays when your back is against the wall, that's paramount. He's been the lead at it. And then, of course, when he gets in the red zone too, being able to operate in short, small spaces when everything's really compact. And um, he's been able to show that at a really high level. So the fact that he is number one, the number one quarterback in the NFL when it comes to scoring touchdowns in the red zone, that to me has to continue in this this final game if they're going to win in the end because of how good Philly is uh, as, a, as a
2: total team. I don't know if you have these numbers right in front of you, but one of the, and I've referenced it on a lot of other shows that we've done is that, The numbers you talked about earlier in the year where Patrick Mahomes was like one of the top five most pressured quarterbacks in the NFL, but then his sack rate was near the bottom of just a way to contextualize this guy gets away from pressure. He gets away from the pass rush as well as anybody, which I think is another kind of storyline going into this game that we've talked about is that he's incredibly difficult to bring down his creativity, the way that manipulates the pocket can extend plays. All those different things comes into play, and at a few different times over the last week, Trevor, I've been referencing the conversations that we've had throughout the year, um, particularly about the. a lot of it was in regards to the two tackles. Orlando Brown Jr. and right. Andrew Wiley giving up so many pressures, but yet Mahomes was still figuring out a way to get away from it, uh, which I think would lend itself to being a storyline that uh, would make sense for people to pay attention to going in against this pass
3: I'm looking up the second part of that, but he was pressured the second most times <laughs> in the NFL. And where was his sack? Where is he sacked? He's low on this list. Yeah, he's a lot lower than I thought. He is 18th in the NFL in total in total sacks taken for quarterbacks, and yet he had the second most uh, dropbacks in which there was a pressure recorded. So clearly showing how much... Uh, he is able to get out of pressures and, and, um yeah. and yeah, be that magician that I think everybody is, is, huh, I want to say expecting at this point, but it's so weird to like expect the unreal greatness of Mahomes. <laughs> I feel like we do, we take it for granted, but uh yeah, it, there's, there's just no doubt. And that goes back to what we kind of talked about at the beginning of the conversation this year, you know, maybe he didn't have the. Sixty touchdowns right? Like everybody, when we talk about awards, like people love to point to a singular thing. They love to be like, "Oh, sixty touchdowns. oh Oh, fifty-five hundred passing yards. Like whatever, or six thousand passing yards, or like whatever it's going to be that's going to blow people's mind." Mahomes, yeah. like I said, wasn't necessarily he was number one in some categories, but he wasn't yeah. number one in all of them. It was just an it was just overall across the board. He was tier one in everything, and that's why you had to give it to him.
2: And that. It, intentionally when you you peel back there's so many stats and so many different things now especially with what you guys are doing at pff that you can keep track of that it's not plausible for somebody to as detailed as you're getting to be number one everything but the one that stands out to me for people for words like mvp is he had 5614 yards combined passing and rushing which is the most in nfl history in a year in which he lost somebody and, and lost the what they thought was going to be the explosive nature of tyree kill covering form. Whereas you and I have talked about it. for me, it wasn't that he wouldn't be as explosive. It was that it was going to take a lot more out of him because they don't have the ability to throw a quick pass to Tyreek and it turns into 15 yards because there's so much cushion given where they can't pick up those easy, there's a lot more easy yards. Everything was going to be more difficult um, in that kind of way. You couldn't just, again, pitch it out and get some cheap, easy yards without a lot of stress. Uh, but the fact that he was able to have the most yards for a quarterback ever uh, in a season that some people thought it was going to be a little bit of a stretch, and he had a lot of new faces. I mean, that, that's getting to get to the coaching with guys like Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS. And yeah. One of the guys that we're about to talk about right now in Kadarius Toney and what he's been able to do, even in a short spurt, as you look at... This is why Kadarius Tony was brought in for specific matchups in a playoff game to make a handful of plays. And I know as a, as a Gator person, I uh, don't have to tell you a whole lot about how special... He could be, but um, his help was a it was a low key big storyline uh, for me going into this one. I know you want to talk a little bit about Kadarius Tony here.
3: Yeah, this is my second point, my second matchup. I, I think Mahomes has to be the first one just because um, I know it's the, kind of the low hanging fruit that everybody talks about. But uh, he's he is he is the ultimate X factor in this game. He will be the difference maker of why the Chiefs win. Um, as, but the second X factor, which goes along with it, is what kind of production are they going to get out of Kadarius Toney? And I think that it's going to be a lot right? The reports, what were the reports that came out? What was the quote that he's running like wild in practice or something? I, I don't, I don't remember what like the quote was, but I mean, it got me fired up because yeah, as a, somebody who graduated from the university of Florida, I saw every snap that Kadarius Tony took and I'm screaming for this guy to get the ball for years, even before he was a focal point in that final year that he was at Florida, he just moves different, man. I mean, people talk about it all the time. It's like, the the ligaments in his body like are like Gumby or something like it just he the way that he's able to stop on a dime and change direction it will put any defender uh in a tough place because you just don't expect somebody a human being to be able to do that because you've never really seen it on many people before but you know when it comes to statistics the reason why Kadarius Toney is such an x-factor in this game is not because of the what if but it's because of what's already been done I think in just this playoffs alone he hasn't played a ton right because of injury He's only played 15 receiving snaps. He's only got 45 receiving yards total in this postseason. But he has a 53.3% wide receiver usage, which means he is getting... that. That's basically an easy math equation to say, how often are you getting targeted per route that you are running? So if there's a passing play and you are going out and you are running a route, what's the percentage in which you are targeted? If you are slightly over 30%, You know, for somebody who's normally in the offense, if you are slightly over 30%, that's a lot. Like Travis Kelsey is 30, 31, 32% most games. Kadarius Toney was over 50%. So it was very, very clear. They want to get the ball in this guy's hands. It's not just this game. It's not just this hype that we're kind of like bringing out of nowhere. People aren't just trying to bring it up because of the trade that happened earlier this year. Like They want to utilize this guy. They made that message very loud and clear, even when they started the playoffs. Anytime that he's been out there, he has been a threat and and you've got to take him in his position very seriously. So he's a huge X factor, not just because of the ability, but because of what we have already seen and their willingness to get him involved in the offense, knowing, hey, this is a really talented talented Philadelphia Eagles team. If we're going to beat him, we've got to use some of our most talented players. I don't think he's going to be used as his decoy. I think he's going to be a major part of the game plan. And uh, yeah, I think the numbers have already stated
2: that. When people have talked about who's like the, the who's going to be the unsung hero, who's the guy that you're not talking about that could step up and have a huge game, Kadarius Tony makes all the sense in the world for what you just mentioned, but also just because Andy Reid's ability to game plan going up against this pass rush, knowing that if there's an area of the Eagles defense uh, that you can, I guess, not exploit, but if there's one you want to attack, uh, it's the second level of the defense. I've been talking about all week, and that's one area that Andy Reid, very good at. Um, as a play caller and a play designer uh, he'll window dress an inside zone <laughs> as, as well as anybody in the league right. to try and create some confusion uh, along that second level of the defense and so Kadarius Tony makes all the sense of the world love those numbers um, let's move on and, and talk a little bit about the other side of the ball here uh, with the Eagles run game uh, against the Chiefs defense Trevor so I think
3: the x-factor part of this game for the Eagles offense is Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, obviously great players. If the Eagles want to win, they have to get those guys involved. I think that that's kind of a um, an obvious one, though. The, the, the tipping point, I feel like, in this game is how the Chiefs can do against the Eagles when they get into third and, I'll say, short situations. On just third and fourth downs with one or two yards to gain, The Philadelphia Eagles had the most first downs of any team in the NFL this year, and that is because of the weapon that Jalen Hurts is with his legs, how they use RPO looks in certain short yardage situations, and then of course the quarterback sneak as well. So that to me is so, so important because the Eagles are, beyond just their ground game, which they have 39 rushing touchdowns this year, that's double digits more than the next closest team. So like this is a, a team that clearly is okay comfortable and believes it is a strength to win on the ground. So when you get in those third and short situations for some teams it might be a coin flip for the Eagles, it's a lot the deck is stacked a lot more to their advantage than we've seen this past year. So can you get more than one or two extra stops in this game to force a punt as opposed to allowing them to keep drives going because just like we talked about with um Kansas City and Cincinnati a couple weeks ago. A key to that game for me was Isaiah Pacheco being able to run the way that he needed to to keep Joe Burrow off the field. Patrick Mahomes won MVP this year. He's playing about as good as anybody possibly could play at the position. The Eagles know that and they know that even for as good as their defense is, that guy's going to get his. Only way he doesn't is if he's not on the field. So the Eagles having those methodical drives I think is really important to them. And as a team that is really good at converting on third and fourth in short situations, that's something that you have to take into account. I've also got some numbers for how the Chiefs players have fared just against RPO looks because that is a major part of their run game as well. Like I said, with um, how much of a weapon Jalen Hurts is, especially when picking up just a few yards here and there, they're not afraid to do that. Uh, Nick Bolton, Chiefs linebacker, he's got the second highest run defense grade behind Chris Jones, of course on specifically RPO looks. 73.4 grade that we've got for him with run defense just against RPOs. Willie Gay Jr., second lowest mark on the team, only 54.3% when guarding against RPOs. And then another one that's a little bit worrisome that you have to keep your eye on, rookie edge rusher George Karloftis, worst run defense grade on the team when guarding RPOs, 54.1. So when you think about I'm I'm kind of surprised of the numbers for Willie Gay because I think he's athletic enough to be able to contain George Karloftis not as surprised with that because Karloftis is more of like a power guy he's not as much like a start and stop like let me change direction laterally kind of a player so it would make sense if in an RPO if they're trying to make him the key man and they're making him put they're putting him in a tough decision do I crash on the running back do I stay with the quarterback um and even if he does stay with the quarterback if he pulls it, does he have the athleticism and the change of direction to be able to keep up with it? But that's something to monitor. I think those two linebackers there, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, they're obviously paramount for how you contain RPO looks. But also it's those edge rushers too, the yeah. ones that they put in pressure situations, the one that they're trying to key in on, and George Karloftis, I, I think the Eagles I think the Eagles are gonna see that and they're gonna know yeah. that Karloftis is not the best defender when it comes to those RPO looks. So they're more often than not going to leave him as that conflict player and make him make a decision for those RPOs. And again, is that enough for them to pick up that third and two, that third and one, that fourth and one, whatever it ends up being. So those are the numbers that uh, beyond just saying, oh, the Eagles are great at run on the ball because they're great to run on the ball. Those specific situations in a game yeah. of two really great teams, I think might tell the tale of who ends up uh, ending the game with the most points.
2: And it could determine some of the snap counts on early downs and those those downs where you could can, could cause the conflict. Because I immediately thought, well, Chris Jones is going to be playing off the edge unless it's an obvious passing situation. Because we saw last year uh, in 2021 that that was the one area that Chris kind of struggled when they put him on the edge is when they yes. would do some of those types of horizontal, kind of lateral agility type plays. Um, who is really good? Like a Carlos Dunlap. Like where does he sit with some of those RPO numbers? Because again, if you're talking early down personnel for the Chiefs if that's going to be something that they try and target with Loftus, who else do the Chiefs have that they could run out there and just kind of maybe switch up the amount of snaps played uh, for these guys because of that let's see okay I'm filtering for the team now so give me a second I'm uh it's interesting stuff with the RPOs that's a great point to bring up on you've got to have some lateral agility and
3: Car- Carlos Dunlap is fourth highest on the team we had a seventy-one point nine grade, which is good. Um, yeah. And this is regular season and playoffs combined. And he is the number one graded edge rusher that we have because we obviously list Chris Jones as an interior defensive lineman, but right, he is he is the highest graded edge rusher um, in that category on run defense for RPOs. So yeah,
2: even if it's even if it's not a, a pure athleticism standpoint, Carlos Dunlap's athletic. Don't get me wrong, but he's so long that right. he could slow yes. it down just by reaching and diving and and extending the play a little bit, but that's interesting to know. Do you have the numbers uh, readily available on the percentage of run plays or the percentage of RPOs that are ran by the Eagles? Let me look. I know I'm... I think it's like, hey, can I... you look this up for me? Hey, can well,
3: it, it is decently fast. Hold on. I can do... Let's see. Regular season. I can see total attempts. So... Okay. The Eagles... Ran RPO looks 6th most in the NFL but had the number one EPA per play average on those
2: RPO plays. Who was uh, ranked above them? Who did it more? We
3: have the Giants, the Cardinals, the Packers.
2: Oh, the Chiefs are in here. And then the Panthers. So then here you go. Okay. So the Chiefs played the card, I mean, obviously it was way back in week one, but I'm trying to think of who the Chiefs have played that has a similar type look, uh, it's it makes sense for the Cardinals, Yeah, um, there you go. just to go back and find, although at least really a stretch to say it, it makes sense that the Eagles would be significantly better at it with Jalen Hurts than what we saw, uh, even with yeah. an athletic, not to make this about Kyler Murray or the, what the Cardinals were this year, but, um. I would give them a blueprint. At least they've gone through it. And I know that Steve Spagnuolo. When he, uh, I think it was on Media Night, uh, the the handful of, of, bits of real information that came from the zoo that is NFL Media Super Bowl Media Night. Uh, go ahead.
3: I was I was just going to say I looked at I'm I'm looking at how the Cardinals actually fared uh, on those RPO okay. looks, and they were 19th in the NFL in the regular season, um, at EPA, eight EPA per rush, and what was their grade? What did we give them? They were 20, all this stuff. Twenty first in rushing grade, uh, for that. So yes, they did have more RPO attempts than the Philadelphia Eagles,
2: but not anywhere close to as effective. So I saw that uh actually guy that you know, I don't know your thoughts on it, but uh Urban Meyer, uh Steve Spagnuolo came out and said this week that he had spoken with Urban Meyer as being one of the the coaches that has defended the RPO and is kind of a thought leader in that space. And that Mm -hmm. Steve Spagnuolo called a lot of different people about ways to defend it and different ways to do things, Uh, which is not, anybody who's listening, this is not surprising. These defensive coordinators call and talk to people all the time. And I knew this years ago because there was so much animosity towards Bob Sutton uh, back before Steve Spagnuolo was the chief's defensive coordinator about Mm -hmm. the way that he would do defense. It was very complex did a lot of different things and kind of the bend, but don't break and the point. Chiefs are always like top ten in points, but like bottom three in yards given up. Uh, or yeah, bottom three depending how they gave up a lot of yards, uh, not a lot of points, but uh Bob Sutton was one of the defensive people around the league that other defensive coordinators would call and like ask questions of. And I know just from talking with all the other coaches, like, hey, he's a leader in this space that everyone's calling. And then when you listen to local media, it's like we gotta fire this guy. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing. It's like everybody around the league is calling this guy to get insight like it's just the dichotomy between the two different things but uh trevor we're going to take a quick break and we come back and we we'll get your prediction okay for this game between the chiefs and eagles again hanging out with pro football focuses trevor Sikaba will be back be back right after this
1: you're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in kansas city kc sports network we'll be back right after this
2: Welcome back to KCSN Update. We're hanging out with Pro Football focuses, Trevor Sikama, who gave us some great numbers, obviously, on MVP, two-time MVP, Patrick Mahomes, one of only two quarterbacks uh, in NFL history, um, with Brett Favre and then Jim Brown, uh, running back for the Browns, that had two MVPs before they were 28 years old. Got some great numbers on that. Kadarius Toney, wide receiver usage, and then the Eagles run game, the RPO, some good stuff there. All right, Trevor, now it's time. Who is going to win this game between the Chiefs and the Eagles? And a little clarifier. Last week when we did this, I'm pretty sure everyone picked the Bengals. I, I picked the
3: Bengals. I
2: picked the Bengals. You weren't the only two one. Two go so And at I least did. you lived in Cincinnati. You had some sort of a connection. <laughs> Chiefs fans will not let Nate Taylor forget about it. From Kansas City, beat writer for the Athletic, covering the Chiefs. Sure. Not going to let him forget that one for a while. Uh, but in his defense, we uh, we do that that video on Tuesdays. It was real early in the week when we did it. And he wasn't sure about Mahomes' ankle and mm. you know the spin at practice and all the right. things that we saw. Right. Uh, it's funny, when you brought up Kadarius Tony earlier about how he's feeling, I'm like, we analyzed the pictures of Kadarius Tony and his ankle and how much tape there was on it at the practice photos that they sent out from the team down in Arizona. I was like, we have a lot of practice at zooming in on ankles. <laughs> right, yeah, to use right. the next level analysis to move this line in Vegas uh, every time you know somebody looks good in a 10-second a clip. But anyway, yes. who's going to win this game on Sunday, Trevor?
3: Uh, I got to say, as somebody who does not have a dog in this fight, I'm so happy that this is a Super Bowl. there There are, are paths to victory for both teams playing through their strengths. Things that we have seen the entire season Uh, that were not just good, not just great, but championship-worthy. I think both of these teams have players, have leaders, have coaching staffs that are championship-worthy, and I'm so excited to just see how this game plays out. I think it's time for Patrick Mahomes to get that second ring. I I do. I think think it is time for him to get that second ring. It just feels like he is having that kind of year. Uh, Obviously, the last time he was in the Super Bowl, It was against my Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so I wasn't too upset that he didn't get the second ring. Then I thought to myself, there will be plenty of other times where he will have that opportunity. And I think that this year is one of those opportunities. You know, I think the biggest X factor for me is it's two teams that are so evenly talented in so many ways. The stars that they have are takeover players, and we have seen that consistently. But for as much as I love Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts is awesome player, person. I mean, just like He is somebody that you definitely root for. There's no doubt about it. What I saw from Mahomes last week and the throws that he was able to make, I think you and I had this conversation last Friday. There were maybe four or five throws in that game against the Bengals where I watched that game and went, if he doesn't make even just one of those throws, they might lose that game. Like there's, there's a good chance that the Bengals end up on top of the scoreboard when the clock hit zero. He hit all of them. Every single one. And that, to me, just makes it feel like you can't stop this guy. Like, th- like this is the guy worth betting on. This is the best player in the NFL this year. This is the MVP. And when you play at the level that he is, at the position that he plays at, it's so hard to bet against it. I understand why people like the Eagles in this game. I'm still... A little shocked that the Eagles are favored. I really am. Like I, I think that I think that the Chiefs and it's only you know, it's only a point and a half and it's a neutral side game. So like all it's it it's basically, you know, it's a coin flip of 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 a pick anyways, but I'm picking Kansas City. I think it's time. Chris Jones has been playing at an unbelievable level, has been all seasons, taking it to a next level this postseason, finally, uh taking those pressures and making them sacks and things. the rest of the defense is playing well together as well. We highlighted the rookies last week and how the rookies are playing, I still think that's a major X factor. How much the rookies for the Chiefs in the secondary can look at this game and not be afraid of the moment. That's going to be huge, because if those rookies in the secondary show up, if they do their job well enough, and they even just slow down the Eagles offense, ultimately, I think that it's Patrick Mom's time to get that second ring, so I'm, pick, I'm taking the Chiefs. I love to
2: hear it. I, as a Chief, like, it makes sense to me because on paper, when you look at the Eagles, there's so many things that they do well and they're they're very good in the trenches. And mm-hmm. if you watch the game last week, I'm trying to to make it sense make it make sense for people that, that aren't as close to it as I was. I'm obviously biased. But I can see on paper when you look at this team that the Chiefs aren't going to be able to do from a defensive line standpoint dominate the way they did against the Bengals and what was a very close football game. Right. And then you look at the Eagles' offense and how multiple they are and the different things they can do. And in areas that they are very good, the Chiefs have struggled at times. You talk about the second level of the defense that, depending upon Jalen Hurts' health and how many hits they want him to take with that shoulder, which has been a thing since he's come back, um, if he's completely healthy, I can see a scenario in which, like, yeah, the Chiefs' offense has struggled at different times, um, defending the run and playing. A quarterback that can scramble like what we could see from Jalen Hurts and his ability to run the football. So on paper, I understand it. But Trevor, the more we get closer to the game and the more information that comes out and the people that really dig into the Eagles schedule. And I'm not one that's going to say the Eagles aren't good because they they played a weak schedule. They played the schedule that they had. But when you look at, and there's a lot, I don't have them in front of me, but a lot of the, the numbers of Jalen Hurts success rate, was when the team was up or a lot of their pass, their pass rush, their pressures, their wins, uh, their sacks, all that stuff. It's when, and I I got to go back and find this stat, but it was sort of like when there was a better than 60% chance of winning mm-hmm. that game at the time. It was like late in the game, they're up by a lot. They're going up against an offensive line that's in the bottom third of the league uh, in terms of being able to protect their quarterback. That's when the majority of their sacks and their numbers came in. So they were skewed a little bit, And like the past defense when they were facing, you know, top 10 quarterbacks, it was like eight and a half yards per attempt compared to five yards per attempt the rest of the time when they were facing everybody else, just because they haven't played anyone close to the Chiefs offense or close to Patrick Mahomes this year. I don't use it as a knock on the Eagles, but it does give me a little bit more, I guess, comfort to know, hey, they haven't played anybody like us. These defensive backs have not had to play a quarterback that can do the types of things that Patrick Mahomes can. And we're talking about Josh Allen, even like a Joe Burrow. Right. I mean, their, their schedule, when you go back and look at it, was not great as far as uh, who they went up against.
3: Yeah, I mean, I had the Eagles going... So, I, I do a little exercise where I, before the season, I go through every single game and I pick a winner and loser from week one all the way through week 18. And... I just pick a winner and loser of that game. I don't think about like, oh, well, you know, I really think that this team's a double-digit win team, so I'm going to I'm gonna give them a win here. But I'm just picking a winner and loser of every single game. I don't look at the standings that I am creating until the very end. When I got done with that exercise, I had the Eagles at 13 and 4. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's no, like, there's no way. And I thought to myself, I was like, okay, I got to go back and look at some of these. I got to change something. I can't say that the Eagles are going to win 13 games. And I went back through the schedule and... I came to the conclusion that the, the schedule was unbelievably easy, and it was. Now, you can only play who's in front of you, right? And they, when you play teams of lesser competition, lesser talent, what do you want to see? You want to see them dominate. That's exactly what the Eagles did. It's not like there were that many opportunities where they were you know, barely scraping by when they had their full guys out there. So they did exactly what they were supposed to do, but there's no doubt about it that they have had... Then easier path to get to this point than certainly the chiefs at um didn't have to play a lot of those top-tier quarterbacks because a lot of them are in the afc uh, first round of the playoffs they're at home they're playing a divisional opponent a team that they know well a team that they're straight up just better than and then you play san francisco at home and they don't have any quarterbacks if have zero quarterbacks and so you look at those you look at those situations and yeah it, it, uh, it's it sounds like something where you could convince yourself that the chiefs should absolutely be favored in this game but On the flip side of kind of what we talked about before, this is still a very talented Eagles team. I'm picking the Chiefs, but I'm not picking the Chiefs because I think the Eagles played nobody and they're about to get exposed. Like, this is not about to be a national championship type of situation where TCU only got there because really they didn't play a lot of very good teams. They got a little bit lucky along the way and they played teams when it felt like they were having their worst day this is not a national championship situation. I do truly believe this is the best the NFC has to offer. This is the best the AFC has to offer. But I still ultimately think that uh, Chiefs are
2: going to take it home. All right, because I brutally explained that, I went and found the stat um, on 21. It, I'll read the tweet. It's from Sharp Clark, NFL. Is that this season, they were so good against such a bad schedule that they rarely face negative situations, especially against good teams, starting with mm-hmm. the Eagles. It said, in 2021, so season ago, of Jalen Hurts' dropbacks came when the Eagles' Vegas adjusted win probability was greater than 40%. Okay. In 2022, it was 95.1% of his dropbacks came when Vegas had a win probability rate of 40%, which I'm assuming is somewhere like right on the teeter-totter the way those numbers work. So uh, not a lot of high-stress Games for the Eagles, and I made this point yesterday when I was doing radio, because uh, the questions kind of led it, led to it, in that Nick Sirianni is a great football coach, but the Chiefs have some experience playing in these types of games that the Eagles, uh, a lot of no their doubt. players no don't. Doubt. Some no of doubt. them do. Fletcher Cox, some of those guys have been around. Mm-hmm. They've played in big games. They understand this. But from a decision-making, just everything that goes into a Super Bowl, if you're going to give an advantage to that, you're giving that advantage to Andy Reid and to a Chiefs team that has had to play so many big games and has a target on their back the entire season, playing a much more difficult schedule. Now, the schedule didn't end up being as difficult as we thought it was going to be when the schedules first came out. We're talking about one of the hardest schedules in NFL history because we didn't expect the Broncos, the Raiders, and I guess the Chargers were still pretty good, but expected all the rest of the division to be the best division in football and then it basically turned into the NFC East being the best division in football and those were the best teams that the Eagles played all year were the Giants and the Cowboys and so that's where a lot of the comfort for me as a longtime diehard Chiefs fan has come in about this game is that they haven't really played anybody and if Patrick Mahomes can do what we've talked about all season when we've done these shows Trevor extend the pocket a little bit. Those defensive backs are not used to having to cover guys for four or five seconds or having a quarterback go back across their body. And that's something you can't prepare for until you face it and see it because very few can do that.
3: Yeah, and I think that that's certainly like um, the lights being its brightest will be a factor here. I think the two weeks off also is something that definitely goes into it. But, you know, I I don't want people to look at this Eagles team and think that it's completely green, right? Because uh, Devontae Smith, national champion, right? Multinational champion, play with Alabama at the highest level. Sure. Like he, he understands how to play in big games. Jason Kelsey, um, uh, Jordan Milata, Lane Johnson, uh, Ndamukong Suh Sue with Tampa, uh yeah. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, like all those guys are Super Bowl winners. Like they yeah. they have they have been there. They understood it. I might have been missing a guy or two in that list, but they do have veterans in the room who I am sure have been leading everything this week where it's like this is different this is the mindset you got to have but to your point you never know how you're going to play how you're going to react to getting punched in the mouth if you will for the first time uh yeah. out 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 of that ring out on that field until you do it and we know what the chiefs are like when they get hit in yeah. the mouth they bounce back they play as good as you can their stars are very comfortable in that situation will the eagles be and i think that'll be a, a massive test and that's going to make that's
2: what's going to make this sunday a lot of fun i can't get here soon enough trevor we're hanging out again with trevor sick and pro football focus you can find him on it's just football his daily show with mike renner over there at pff make sure you follow him on social media we appreciate everybody for hanging out on this episode of kcsn update don't worry if you're still just listening to this to try and buy <laughs> bide some time uh before the game we'll have more shows getting you ready for uh chiefs and eagles the super bowl 57 and we've got a fantastic show that i am very excited uh, for everybody to check out later tonight the the latest one-on-one with mike devito and jeff allen is a special segment that is going to be announcing a new show and a new person uh helping us out here at kc sports network each week as we go into the off season so make sure to check that out uh you will see it i promise on social media later today um, as we're recording this on friday morning but appreciate you chiefs kingdom have a great couple of days getting ready Uh, for Super Bowl 57. We appreciate you for hanging out. Hit that like and subscribe and follow. We'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube, entertain, educate, inform, KC Sports Network.